talk. Derek Miley, cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No, sex talk with Derek Miley. Hey, folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Y'all, I'm always excited when I can bring on a fellow Florida uh, resident. <laughs> I am so happy to bring you Melinda DeSetta, licensed mental health counselor, founder of the Insight Counseling Center in Miami, and current PhD student like myself in clinical sexology. We're just in different programs and we're just doing the same things. It's amazing. And I'm so glad that you are here, Melinda. <laughs> Great. Thank you. And yes, we are so good. There's programs offered now. I know. Just uh, come on. Anybody that's interested in doing sex therapy, clinical sex, come on, come on out here. We need you. So we're going to talk all about, all about desire. We're going to talk all about millennials. We're going to talk about online dating. We're going to jump right, right into it. So you work a lot with young professionals, millennials, and how are these folks feeling about desire and connection to others while they're trying to, you know, find mates out here? Right. So this is what comes into my office. It's the biggest challenge I see. Like I said, my office is right downtown Miami. So I deal with people coming from South Beach, the financial district, South Miami. And a lot of people, I would say the majority of my clients, what are they doing? They're trying to online platforms, which I think are great. I think you can meet some amazing people, make some really amazing connections. But what is happening when there's so, so many people in so many I think as we're online dating, we're beginning to see people and we're beginning to see them as commodities. Mm, that depersonalization is a thing, right? Yes. There's so many people and we are swiping right and left so quickly within a second. And it's like a million judgments running through our head that lead us to swipe right or left in that second. But I like to say, what is going on for ourselves into the other person that you are swiping right or left? So we have these commodities um, and we kind of start to build these protective guard, these walls up. And I wanted to get into something that I know is very common nowadays the walls walls, they're so big i i can't i mean you and i were talking about this before we got started is the the thing that i i see this with many of my millennial clients that are online dating and they talk about the experiences majority of them are talking about these experiences being negative so i do want to make sure that we we address that too i they had they talk about some positive experiences but the the commodification i think what you're saying is really important because it does it does take that humanness out of the connection and i would imagine the number the sheer number of people that you have access to also impacts your ability to get truly connected with one person Completely. And it almost becomes a numbers game, right? How many people did I match with today? How many people am I still carrying on a conversation with? I've heard the terms like drop off. I had three people drop off and this was my only one left. So out of four people that I'm talking to, like one dropped off today. And this term that we hear all the time is called like the whole birth of ghosting. Mm, uh, ghosting why people stop it just stop it <laughs> old old therapy there just stop it <laughs> 
it's so powerful. I don't know how many hours and how much people have paid me to talk about the pain of ghosting. And I think we know how painful like the silent treatment is, right? So as we see all these people's commodities, we've been ghosted. I'm sure most people listening have been ghosted and or have ghosted. So what does that do, that pain? Well, our body builds up defenses and we get these protective walls. So as we continue swiping, knowing that the risk is high of being ghosted again, we build up these emotional protections. You're arguing that they're essentially dating and like creating systems of defense to essentially not connect to other people in preparation for the ghosting. Exactly. Woo! Uh, how how the hell are you going to meet anybody, people out there in the world? <laughs> if you will come to the table, if you come to the table ready and defensive, like out the gate, like that's one of Gottman's, like being defensive is one of the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse. For those of you who don't know who Gottman is, y'all should if you're listening to the show. Um, but like being on the defense from the gate would absolutely spell destruction to a burgeoning relationship. Right. And if any of you out there are, don't be too harsh on yourself. It comes from a place of being hurt. That's why we do it. And it's almost your body's primitive way of protecting you. You know, okay, I've done this before. I got really hurt. I'm going to protect myself for future hurt. And it's just the way our body reacts to it you know, how our body and our mind are not always connected and sometimes they're working against each other. So as I'm going forward with these protective walls, I meet somebody that I'm going on a date with. I have these walls and these walls do not allow me to be vulnerable, intimate. They don't allow me to share my thoughts, my feelings. Like I feel safe enough to only share so much. In that, then that's where the relationship stops. It's hard for us to connect further. And the relationship can oftentimes get stagnant in that spot. Oh my gosh, yes. Like, I don't know if you've seen this show on Netflix yet. Um, and I've been talking to some of my millennial clients about it. It's called Love is Blind on Netflix. And they like go into these pods and they don't, like they're completely cut off from any kind of communication. And they have to have conversations that are deep and intense and intimate. And you essentially in the show get to watch Limerence Built in a very short period of time. I don't know that the people filming knew that that was going to happen. I would hope so. (laughs) It's it's a great show. And I want to add in, so as we're like going through with these dating, right, we feel people have dropped off. This is who we're with. I'm giving you half of my vulnerabilities, myself, my trust. And then I want to have sex with you, right? Because (laughs) I want to have sex and my partner wants to have sex, but I'm still going into that experience with all these guards up. So therefore, I'm only getting half the joy, half the connection, half the pleasure of sex with this person. And I may feel on the other side of me, wow, I really like this person. I want to go forward. And I'm not sure why my relationship is stuck. Yes, that automatic holding back. I'm only going to get so close. I, I will communicate to a certain point. But when it comes to that true vulnerability like actually connecting and allowing yourself to be seen. I I think that that's where that, that's where that wall you were talking about is built. 
right there. Yes. And so you're coming, I like how you bring up vulnerability. So how I've been in this situation, I felt the hurt. I feel it might have protective walls, but I want to move forward. Okay. So how do we do that? In order for me to be vulnerable with my partner or with someone that I want to potentially be my partner or just go on a date with dating, mating, relating, I don't care. What do I have to do to be vulnerable with them? I have to step back and learn how to be vulnerable with myself. So here's the individuality piece. I have to learn myself. I have to learn my opinions, my ideas, my theories, my hobbies. I have to learn me and I have to process me so that I'm mostly comfortable with myself. So when I go and I'm sitting in front of somebody at dinner, if that's a date we're having, if they disagree with me or if they don't like me, that it doesn't break me. Of course, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> but I opened myself with the vulnerability to this person. It was not re- received. They didn't like me back. They didn't like my ideas, whatever. It doesn't break me. I can still keep my individual self and I can still then continue looking for a potential partner. I still have that power. I don't put up these defensive walls like maybe I have done in the past. You are describing being able to tolerate mm-hmm. a not only just distress, but rejection. Exactly. Which is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us people, uh, you are not alone. <laughs> we are telling you in your ears, you are not alone. We are all so, so afraid of rejection and abandonment. Right. So how do we, how, how do you in, encourage your folks to either reduce the amount they are ghosting themselves or the, to how to deal with ghosting when they experience it? Well, if we're going to date, <laughs> we're always opening ourselves up to this risk. And I talk to people, is the right type of dating for me? Because honestly, maybe I'm not at that spot where I want to be vulnerable, but I want to date and connect with people on my level. That's fine. If you don't see a problem with that, I don't see a problem with that. But your partner might. So that's where, you know, we, in any type of relationship, we kind of have to also know where our goals is and where we're comfortable with that in the moment. So if I do have walls up, that's where it's going to go. I would say being upfront with that person. If you want to get that deeper level, and you are afraid of ghosting, that's very normal, that makes sense, or you're just afraid of rejection, again, going back to that individual self and building up each little piece of you, knowing you, you're not, we don't always like every piece of ourself, but having those own inner internal strengths so that when somebody does reject me, it doesn't break me. So building that internal foundation that you can build other things on. So you have a strong, strong bedrock to essentially stand on is what you're arguing. We have to, we have to, because not everyone is going to want to continue with us. And maybe they do for that time, but in the future, they may not. And Right. So when they tell us, I'm no longer attracted to you, which can be such a heartbreaking statement, it doesn't break us that we can continue going 
as our individual self. So when that relationship or that dating experience ends, it doesn't feel like I lost all the pieces of me. Fair, fair. So how do we, how how do you think this dating culture is really impacting some maybe millennials ability to feel desire and pleasure maybe with themselves or even with a partner? That's really interesting because what is desire? I want to take a minute to kind of separate desire and love. Like, so desire is to want, like I, I want, I want this. And then love is more to, I have, I have this relationship exists. Love is that connection that's built. So they're very different. And I would say in a long term, relationship, you need both. You need desire and you need love. I think sometimes millennials start with desire, right? I want, I see that person. Oh, my friend told me about that person. I want that person. So maybe we start with that. I think millennials and most people start in that stage of desire. And I think love comes second and then both must exist. So when you think about how some of this, I mean, we're, we're getting philosophical here, that the commodification that, that often can happen as a result of this online dating, right? Like, how, how do you even admit to yourself, like, oh, I want to connect and be vulnerable with someone, and I also want to be physically vulnerable with them? So if we're looking through that lens, how do, how do people do it? How do they, how do they get there? <laughs> <laughs> that is a question you have to ask yourself. And sometimes we don't always know on the surface level, right? And I think there are times it's very fluid. Times when we just want a physical connection. Times when we don't want any connection. Um, there you're kind of having this like dating, mating, just relating scenario. Yeah, absolutely. It is not an easy time out there for folks who are trying to date or who are trying to. And and, and I have so many different folks who are trying. They either want something casual or they do are looking for something more serious. Like, how would somebody maybe go about assessing that within themselves if they want something more casual or if they want something more serious? That's kind of hard to know. And I recently had conversations in my sessions of I've had a really tough breakup. How do I know when I'm ready? How do I truly know? Like part of me is saying, am I still healing? Part of me is saying, I want a connection. And part of me is saying, I I want sex, right? I would say when we don't need any external gratification from a relationship, right? I have my internal needs. I'm able to give myself that self-worth, that self-esteem, that self-love. I'm not using a relationship or anyone else or sex to fill my core self. If I can fulfill my own internal needs, challenge them, my own internal negative core beliefs, then I can fully give and positively and effectively give to someone else as a partner. Yeah. I, I kind of talk about it in, in a way with my, my folks. It's like we're holding a cup. And when we take that cup out, and I'm, I'm doing a handy little mime for you podcast listeners, the, I'm ha- holding that cup. And when I hold it out to other people, it is bottomless. It can never be filled. But when I take that cup and I pull it in and I start looking at the end of that cup and I start deciding what does that cup need, I can finally fill it. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I hear you're saying, like that internal work is so in- incredibly important to have such a good bedrock to be able to determine what you really and truly want. Right. And internal work is transitional all through our life. So never feeling like we have it all together. That's life is feeling like we never have it all together. That we're always doing that internal work, but feeling that primarily we can give ourselves our own needs and that we're not looking to a person, sex, shopping, drugs, gambling, something else to fulfill our internal self. Yeah, absolutely. So I encourage all of you to find Melinda on Instagram because her Instagram's awesome. But also, like, how do people find you in the world generally? Primarily my Instagram, which is at Melinda in Miami. And you can also find me on my website. Um, I'm the founder of Insight Counseling Center Miami. My website is insightmiami.com. Uh, so you can go there. You can read my blogs. I talk a lot about dating. I talk a lot about tips on dating and how to kind of be emotionally intimate and physically intimate with the partner if that's what you're choosing or if you're choosing to date. And I kind of pick different topics and run with those on different phases of dating and different parts of dating. Fantastic. Tons of education for all of you out here dating. Well, you say dating, mating, and relating, right? Yes, I learned that from my my program. It was fabulous, and I think it really sums up um, all the different pieces because we, hey, sometimes we want different things that aren't always dating. Absolutely, absolutely. I so appreciate your perspective, Melinda. Thank you, thank you for being on the show today. And folks, thank you for sticking around to the end. Everything you've heard here today will be in the show notes if you're looking for a therapist in Miami. And if you're looking for those dating tips, everything will be located there. Again, Melinda, thank you for being on the show. And we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See you all next time.